0: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with Stan Jastrzewski, the WFIU uh, news director. And today we're going to be talking with a Bloomington soldier who's in Iraq. Uh, In honor of uh, the 4th of July, we're going to be talking with Captain Jake Weiss, an intelligence officer from Bloomington, who's now serving in the Indiana Army National Guard 76th Infantry Brigade Combat Team in Vallad, Iraq. This uh, program is being pre-recorded. We're actually talking to uh, Captain Weiss on Thursday for uh, airing on Friday, so you won't be able to call us. Uh, we have gotten a couple of emails that we'll get to on the program, but uh, we hope that you'll stick with us for the, the next oh, 55 minutes or so. So, Captain Weiss, thanks for being with us.
1: Well, thank you for having me, gentlemen. Good afternoon.
0: All right. Um, hey, I wanted to start out by just getting some background on you. Um, how long have you been in the Guard and you know, where are you from? And give us sort of your brief history of uh, life before you uh, were deployed to Iraq.
1: Well, I've been in the National Guard now for about seven and a half years. I enlisted uh, with the 163rd Field Artillery Battalion in Evansville where I was born and raised, and then after September 11th, I felt a little fire in my belly that I could give a little more to the uh, Indian National Guard, and so I started at the Indiana Military Academy at Camp Atterbury, where I became an intelligence officer, and uh, I have currently been serving in that role now for about four years.
0: Okay. So um, can you tell us a little bit about what an intelligence officer does?
1: Sure. <laughs> As we like to say, intelligence drives maneuver. And uh, our job is to get the overall threat picture so that the commander can have uh, a good idea of what to expect on the battlefield. And uh, here, in particular, on a Joint Base Ballade, I work in the joint intelligence support element, where, uh, bottom line, we establish and integrate all aspects of intelligence to secure Joint Base Balad. So we work uh, the intelligence for base defense. And there are many tenant units here on Joint Base ballade And we're kind of the repository for the raw information that is collected by numerous assets and uh, we deconflict this information into actionable intelligence. So, uh, again, I guess we're the, the synchronizing point for the collection, analysis, production, dissemination for uh, the units in and around Joint Base Balad to, uh, to ensure the security of the residents here of Joint Base Balad.
0: Okay, so you, you, you keep everybody safe. That's correct.
1: Okay. Uh, well, again, we provide the intelligence. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: To... How do you, how do you go about collecting that intelligence? Are you out physically in the streets talking to people and and getting the 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 lowdown, keeping your ear to the ground, as it were, or are there uh, people who are involved in sort of a, a web of information gathering who eventually get back to you, and then it's your job to determine what is true and what is false and what is of the greatest concern?
1: Well, most definitely. It's a concerted effort amongst uh, many coalition forces, local nationals, including the Iraqi army, Iraqi security forces. I personally do not have a lot of interaction with the uh, the Iraqi people. However, I have individuals who do talk to the Iraqi uh, populace on a daily basis. We get, say, you know, atmospherics. What a the surrounding villages, you know, how, how do they perceive coalition forces, how are things going there, what can we do better. But then we also have um, many other single source intelligence gathering assets to help me, who is uh, an all source guy. So I bring all these uh, single entities together to help get the overall picture.
0: Okay. I want to set the scene a little bit. Uh, you know, as our, our listeners know, we're pre-recording this and okay. we're just one hour later than we normally would be, but it's 1 o'clock here in Bloomington. So, so on Friday, it would be noon. Um, it's 8 o'clock your time, right? So you're there. It's 8 o'clock at night. Um, and what is, is uh, Joint Base Ballad like? Now it's, it's Army and Air Force, correct?
1: That is correct, and along with contractors, this is an enormous installation here at uh, Joint Base Balad. And I guess on a daily basis, this would be about the time that I'm actually getting up. I'm the officer in charge during nights, and so I'd get up, grab a nice bite to eat. There are many options here to choose from, and uh, go into work, talk to everybody, see how the day went what's going on for the evening. And uh, through the course of the evening, one of my main, I guess, products that I produce is a daily intelligence summary, which is a document that is uh, disseminated amongst the commanders here. So again, when they wake up in the morning and they're uh, drinking their nice cup of joe, they can uh, get the overall picture. And I guess after work, you know, much like if I were back in uh, Bloomington, if I were on campus and I just wanted to decompress the, uh, the amenities here are are outstanding we have um a gym which I frequent there are morale welfare recreation facilities that include you know pool tables ping pong tables internet cafes there is a pool indoor and outdoor we have a uh, movie theater even and uh, so there are many 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 different ways to, so a soldier and uh, airman can decompress once uh, his job is done. And uh, so I guess, you know, there's always that sense of normalcy that helps uh, individuals cope with being away from loved ones.
0: When you say that it's an enormous base, can you give us some uh, some sense how, how many people are... You're living on the base, I, I assume, and how many people are actually there every day? Well
1: we're We're definitely talking in the thousands, and I guess that's all I can really speak to and um it's i guess I would argue that it's probably bigger than Bloomington proper uh because it is an air force you know installation, so there are runways and uh all that entails there but um I guess. Roughly, there are over 25k, uh, 25,000 individuals here on Joint Base Balad. So it's, again, a sizable installation. And, uh, again, to speak to the amenities, it's actually, it's very nice because it does have a, um, a somewhat of a, a city feel. So you don't feel secluded. You don't, I guess, from the time that we're here, we're not going to have island fever, if you will. And, uh,
0: yeah. Do you, do you ever get off the base?
1: Um, I personally do not. However, many of the, the 76 soldiers do, mm-hmm. and uh, our thoughts and prayers are with them every time that they go outside the wire. But it is essential to, of course, the concerted counterinsurgency efforts that are going on here in Iraq. And uh, if I may, if I could speak to the 76 here, sure,
0: absolutely, very quickly.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Our mission, we are concerned with uh, securing logistical supply routes. We have many of our soldiers who every day go out and they're part of convoy security. And um, we also have a lot of individuals who are scattered throughout the, the country who are essential and securing different coalition installations, so they're concerned with uh, base defense. And these two missions right here, the uh, base defense and convoy security, are essential in uh, securing, you know, a stable environment in which the Iraqi populace can live and work normally.
2: Jake, if you were to walk outside your your door of the room that you're in right now, can you describe for our listeners what exactly you see? Is it does it look like a a town? Does it look prefabricated, like you might see, you know, sort of in the movies depictions of of military bases? Is there a, a combination between the two?
1: Well, I guess when the uh, dust isn't thick enough and I can see two feet in front of me, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, uh, very are, we,
2: are we talking about, I'm you sorry. know, are we talking about like hangers and corrugated metal and things like that?
1: Correct. That is in one part of the installation. However, where I live, it's in, yes, prefabricated housing. I have one roommate and, uh, we have to walk a little ways where we, you know, share facilities with, uh, numerous other soldiers and civilians and, and airmen, but, um, they're situated in what they call pods, and these pods are surrounded by concrete barriers for, you know, uh, these are safety measures that are established to ensure every individual here, resident of Joint Base Balot, has some sense of uh, a peace of mind, of sense of security. And, <clears throat> excuse me. But yes, it's, I mean, it's very much uh, like any in- uh, military installation back home, you have your isolated living quarters but then you also have your buildings that are dedicated for work then again i go back to the facilities for morale welfare and recreation and uh there is a bus service to uh, facilitate easy access to all you know all over the installation because i think today it was a brisk 111 degrees down from uh you know, the past few days, which have been hovering around like 117. So when you're out in the uh, the heat of the day, you know, walking to the dining facility and walking back to work, it's uh, it's quite work workout. And so they have made every, I guess, they've taken advantage of every way to accommodate the individuals, residents here of Joint Base Blood to, you know, I guess ease the uh, hardships. Tell me
2: about your your home. Is it does it feel like home to you? Does it feel like it's a, a very sort of transient living place? Have you worked to uh put up uh pictures of family, pets, uh Bloomington, etc.?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, surprisingly I feel at home. It's somewhat comparable i was explaining to uh family when i first arrived to you know that first year at iu when you walk into the dorm room like oh goodness this is going to be my home for the next year and you make every effort to feel comfortable and to make it feel like it is your own i've hung some pictures on the wall uh, especially of course of you know my wife and i i've hung some uh and other pictures to remind me of home around uh bloomington and uh my immediate family back home in Evansville, and um, one of my vices actually happens to be reading. And luckily, Amazon.com is only a click away, and so I have quite a little library growing in in my room as well. And uh, when I don't feel like reading, we have the Armed Forces Network, which is available in our in our rooms, which provides us, you know, that. Connection to back home, so when my wife or someone else is, uh, you know, watching the news or watching a TV show, we can discuss that show in our next uh, phone conversation, next email conversation. So there is that sense of, you know, I'm still, I'm still with you, and uh, so again, it, it goes back to it, it's wonderful because we have a, uh, there is that connection to back home. I don't feel isolated here. And it does feel just like, okay, I'm a little bit... Of course, I'm not at home, but I'm not on the other side of the world.
2: Are there things besides, obviously, family that you you miss about Bloomington or about Evansville or about Indiana in general?
1: Well, of course, uh, other than the obvious, my wife, my family, friends, and... Uh, when I walk into my restroom, you know, my bathroom, I only see one commode and uh, one shower. That's going to be nice to see. But, um, I, well, I guess oddly enough, two things that I really miss are two things that make us uniquely human. One is the, the freedom to choose, and the second is, I guess, enjoying the finer things in life. And by what I mean, uh, freedom to choose. Again, I can't uh, complain about the, the options for, for food here. I mean, it is just unbelievable. But I miss, you know, hopping in the car with my wife. And it's like, well, honey, do you want to go to Malibu Grill, Little Zagrobs this evening? Or, um, you know, would you like to go to Village Deli or the Bloomington Bagel? So, you know, just being able to having the freedom to go do what you want when you want. Um, but also the, I guess, the finer things in life. When, when my wife and I, when we lived in Chicago, it was just, oh wow, wicked! It's finally not sold out, and uh, <laughs> we bought some tickets. And you go down to the Ford Theater and uh, watch a great musical. Or when we would uh, during the summer, it was wonderful. You just grab a uh, some fresh fruit, fresh baguette, some Gruyere, and uh, my wife's favorite, *The Demeanor*, and we go down to. Millennium Park, and uh, listen to one of the free concerts, you know, and then and those things are wonderful about Bloomington as well, because you have the, uh, the university there. What's what's showing at the MAC? What's showing at the IU Auditorium? You know, uh, is Ladies First or Straight No Chaser playing? The, I know it sounds slightly cheesy, but you know the finer things in life. It's uh, to what it makes you feel. <clears throat> excuse me, makes you feel comfortable. So, uh, I guess again, other than the obvious, those two things uh, I will definitely look forward to when I get home.
0: All right, Jake, um, we're uh, you're listening to a special edition of, of Noon Edition today in honor of Independence Day. We are talking with Captain Jake Weiss, who's an intelligence officer from Bloomington, who's now serving with the Indiana. Army National Guard, 76th Infantry Brigade Combat Team in Balad, Iraq. This is a pre-recorded program, so you you can't call us today. But hopefully, you'll stick with us till the the end of the show. Um, Jake, we really appreciate your what you, the kinds of things you're telling us because I think I think for Stan and I both, we really are interested in finding out what life is like. Um, you know, when you're on a a large military base like that in a war that we write about uh, so often, um, write about and read about so often. So uh, we really appreciate your candor with us. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about about what your week is like? I mean, you said you you basically work nights, right? Um, So do you work— Yes, yes, that's correct. Do you work five days? Do you work seven days—
1: Well, I I work seven days a week. However, as I had mentioned, this is a uh, concerted, you know, counterinsurgency effort here in Iraq and which is made up of my office alone is made up of a few Army units, different Army units, Air Force, civilian contractors. And so there are enough of us to where we can run uh, three eight-hour shifts which is absolutely wonderful. And, I yes, as I had mentioned, I work evenings, and I liaise between my office and every other intelligence office on this installation that is uh, running 24-hour operations. And uh, so, as I had mentioned, though, I work seven days a week, and how I benchmark my weeks is, uh, religious services on Sunday mornings. That's, that's really my, my break in routine there where I stay up a little longer on Sunday mornings and attend service before I, uh, go to bed. But, uh, you know, I really can't complain. There are many, many soldiers out there who are putting in a lot more hours than I am. Their, uh, jobs are a lot more physically demanding than mine. And my, uh, I tip my hat to them, and uh, but uh, not to take anything away from my soldiers. I'm very proud of the, the work that they do, especially my guys who came over with me from uh, the 76. We're headquartered there in uh, Indianapolis. However, my soldiers, we are uh, scattered, you know, from the four winds there in uh, Indiana, and I have a great, great, great staff that uh, – helps me in, uh, in our efforts there in the uh, joint intelligence uh, support element. And if I may, I would just like to uh, talk briefly about uh, some of my soldiers, if that's
0: all right. Sure, that's fine. And could you tell us how many how many people are with you there from the 76th Imbilod?
1: Um. Well, I know that there are approximately 3,100 Soldiers from the 76 deployed. As far as the number that are here on Joint Base Palad, I'm about a thousand okay. are here on uh, Joint Base Palad. Okay. And uh, so it's a definitely a sizable <laughs> element uh, from the Indiana Army National Guard. And during our mobilization process, we were told that it, it was the single largest deployment since World War II and the, you know, the the residents of Indiana and uh, local communities like Bloomington should be proud of uh, the 76. We are doing phenomenal things over here, and especially, if I can, if I could talk about my section, I have a, a, a relatively smaller section that's working with me, but, uh, and they run the gamut. One of my, uh, my rock, my, uh, Chief Warrant Officer, James Graham, he has been in the military for over 20 years. And again, I've, I'm, I've been in for seven and a half. And so I lack a lot of the experience that, uh, James, he brings to the table. And so he's my rock. Whenever I need, uh, some advice, I turn to him. And as a Chief Warrant Officer, he's, uh, you know, indispensable to the, uh, the intelligence mission that we have here and where's where's james uh, from
0: where's james from he is uh
1: the the plainfield he's Uh from plainfield indiana all right and and also on the opposite end of the experience spectrum i have uh specialist ashley wilkinson she is uh two years removed from high school you know she's a recent graduate of paoli And uh, the learning curve for her was steep, but she has just done wonderful things for us. And uh, I'm very proud of her. Again, she's, you know, the youngest of my soldiers. She's 20 years old, and she's just doing wonderful things. And um, and in between, I have two guys, uh, Sergeants Ryan Eaglehoff and William Buckley, who are consummate professionals, But I enjoy having them around, too, because they're always good for a laugh, and they uh, bring some much-needed humor uh, (laughs) during some stressful periods. And also, uh, my specialist, Jonathan Gibson, he is a fellow IU alum, and he resides in the Bloomington community as well. And uh, he's great to have around, because he and I, we can always keep up on the latest gossip, keep uh, coming out of Bloomington, you know, hey, is a... Coach Lynch, is he going to you know we're gonna go for that second bowl in a row. Um Coach Tom Crean, we've been <laughs> that thing has been our favorite uh topic to discuss and uh and uh see who he was gonna put on his roster. And um so it's great to have him around. And if I may, one of my soldiers she did not come with us, however, she's a, a student there in Bloomington, uh, Sergeant Amanda Berzina, and we're very proud of her, and uh, even though she couldn't be with us on this deployment, we uh, we very much appreciate all her hard work. She deployed with us uh, in Afghanistan when we were there in 2004-2005, and uh, she is currently, well, if she's not currently, she is soon to uh, leave for study abroad in, at Oxford, so, um, you know, all my guys and gals, I'm, I'm proud of them, and... Uh, and so should the residents, you know, of Indiana and uh, communities like Bloomington.
2: You mentioned that your soldiers are of varying ages and varying degrees of experience. Do you find that for the first time that they're deployed and they arrive and they touch down in Iraq, uh, that, that it is an experience that, that you really sort of, you know, can't quite prepare for until you're there and you see exactly what you're what you're facing in terms of the elements and in terms of the the different culture and, and the, the different geography and, and lifestyle?
1: Well, I would have to say yes and no. The First Army and the Indian National Guard has done a phenomenal job training us, and uh, we continue to re- receive training to this day. And so when it comes to operations, when it comes to our daily jobs i say yes you know we are well prepared before we ever had boots on ground and now in regard to experiencing yes the changes in in temperature weather geography culture yeah i agree that is something that you cannot uh fully appreciate until you come over here and uh for some it's uh it's, it's it's kind of uh, humorous when uh, we first got here. You kind of see the uh, deer in the headlight look, if you will. But everybody has adjusted wonderfully, and uh, but uh, so yes and no. Uh, again, we have received uh, ample training, but uh, when it comes to some things, you just have to uh, see to believe. Well,
0: what was the biggest surprise for you when you first uh, set foot in Iraq?
1: Well, I guess as I previously had mentioned this is uh my second deployment with mm-hmm. the Indiana Army National Guard. So I had um I guess some preconceived notion of what to expect. But uh when I first arrived here, I really did not fully appreciate how large this installation is and uh what a uh, what a joint effort it, it is, I guess. Cuz when we were in Afghanistan, We had worked with different uh, branches of service. We worked with coalition nations, but not to the degree that uh, we are here. And I think for me that was the biggest uh, shock, the biggest surprise was, wow, you know, this is quite a concerted effort and uh, we're just going to do our part to help.
2: We have an email here that I wanted to get to. uh, our writer asks, if you could clear up one misconception that the American people have about the situation in Iraq right now, what do you think that that misconception would be that you 'd want to you know uh, nip in the bud here
1: The biggest conception I believe is that the average Iraqi is uh, is is frustrated is a little unsure of what uh, our presence means here because, as I had mentioned, a lot of my my soldiers go outside the wire and they get uh, atmospherics in the surrounding villages. And a lot of the local populace, they have nothing but wonderful support for us. They know that we're doing great things. And the great things that we're doing here could not be possible if it were not for their assistance. And uh, I think that they see the... You know, they do. Def- they definitely do not see us as occupiers. They see us as a force that wants to create a stable environment in which they can work, worship, and, and live their lives. And uh, so the reception that I know that we personally have received is a very positive one in that uh, they, they fully appreciate the job that we are doing for their country, you know, their tribe and uh, then their villages.
0: All right, Jake, we're going to have to take a short break. Uh, We're talking with uh, Jake Weiss, an intelligence officer. He's a captain in the uh, Indiana Army National Guard 76th Infantry Brigade Combat Team. He's stationed in Balad, Iraq. Uh, You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back.
3: www.southdunnstreet.info If you're a person on the go, you can take WFIU programs with you. We're podcasting. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer. Listen anytime from your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential. The Ether Game musical mini quiz and movie play and opera reviews. You can find out how with a visit to our website at wfiu.org.
0: Welcome back to Noon Edition. This is our special 4th of July um Edition, I guess, or installment of noon edition. Uh, I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times. Along with Stan Jastrzębski from the uh, WFIU. He's the news director here at WFIU and we're talking with Captain Jake Weiss, an intelligence officer from Bloomington who's now serving in the Indiana Army National Guard 76th Infantry Brigade Combat Combat Team in Balad, Iraq. This is a pre-recorded program so you can't phone us, uh, but uh, we'll be here with you for the next 30 minutes or so.
2: Jake, uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, – you said that one of the bigger misconceptions was that the U.S. troops and the coalition troops are viewed as occupiers and as sort of interlopers who were there without warning and without permission. Um, I'm curious. There's been a lot of talk in the, the news media recently about the the sons of Iraq and their help to the counterinsurgency. Uh, have you had any experience uh, w- with that group uh, in terms of helping your mission?
1: Oh, yes, Uh, most definitely. Formerly known as the uh, Concerned Local Citizens, the Sons of Iraq, uh, SOI, are imperative to our mission here in in establishing a secure environment. There are checkpoints established, you know, to ensure that uh, individuals are uh, not trafficking weapons, munitions, that sort of thing. And just to keep an eye uh, on the local populace to ensure that, uh, I guess that is the uh, local force protection uh, effort there. The sons of Iraq, yes, but uh, the patrols that go forth from uh, Joint Base Balad interact with SOI on a daily basis, and uh, these uh, Iraqi men again are of the utmost importance, uh, when it comes to localized, uh, security.
0: All right. Uh, Jake, I, I know that I, I did a little research before. Uh, I know there have been a couple of incidents. I think the one that maybe was the most, secu- most serious near Balad was a car bombing in February that killed 23 people. I, I think that was very close to your, your base, if I'm not mistaken. What can you tell me about that day?
1: Well, uh, I really cannot speak to that particular incident considering, uh, we arrived after the event. Okay. However, I know that the commanders here have, you know, learned from that event and have established, uh, preventive, they have established preventive measures, uh, when it comes to securing the installation here. So they have, uh, you know, ensured that the proper force protection measures are in place to, uh, you know, combat uh, combat a uh, similar uh, type of attack in the uh, the future. Is
2: that something? But yes,
1: again, that was of it for.
2: Is that something that that quite frankly you you worry about? I mean, do you feel safer being on the base than if, if you were uh, outside the wire, as you say?
1: Yes, uh, I I would definitely agree because uh, again, this is a well-established installation. There are early warning measures in place. There are proper force protection measures in place. Uh, units, we conduct uh, constant training. Each unit has a standard operating procedure. So when a particular event happens, we have a a battle drill. We call it battle drill that we run to ensure accountability of personnel, of equipment, and uh, to you know ensure that the protection of uh, joint base block continues
2: how often uh do you get to talk to family and friends by phone or by email when you're there
1: i consider myself very lucky my uh duty position allows readily uh you know access to phone and internet on a on a daily basis i try to either call or email my wife on a daily basis to tell her that, you know, everything is well. And I try to contact my immediate family at least once a week to, you know, just tell them how things are going. And, again, just to – there's there's always that sense of normalcy that a uh, soldier, airman, and uh, personnel stationed over here try to keep – And uh, that's, you know, definitely probably the biggest factor in keeping, uh, I guess, a a normal routine.
2: Well, now I have to ask, how does your husband do, Kelly Weiss?
4: He does quite well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) He does quite well at that. He uh, definitely makes sure that, hey, how are you? He makes sure that I know that he's safe. So it's very much appreciated.
2: We have here in studio with us, in in case you haven't uh, figured it out by now, uh, Captain Weiss's uh, (laughs) wife, Kelly. Um, I I have to ask, first of all, did did, uh, you know that this was going to occur today, or or did did someone keep it a a secret from you halfway around the world? Jake. Jake.
1: Well, yeah, I, I must confess, I, d- I did catch uh, air of what was going to happen today, but... You should have known better regardless. than to get an intelligence <laughs> officer. Yeah, well, we're, we're
0: glad you did, yeah. since you're an intelligence officer. <laughs>
1: hey, well, you know, regardless, it's always uh, wonderful to hear from my wife, so this is very much appreciated.
0: Mm-hmm. So both of you attended IU from 2000 to 2004, um, kelly what 's it like for you to to you know have Jake be gone for long stretches like this
4: of course it 's difficult um, who wants their husband to be gone for that period of time, but like I said, he makes it very easy. We get to talk quite a bit. Uh, we just try to make things as normal as possible
0: mm-hmm. uh, Jake this is the fourth of July um, is Is there going to be anything special that uh, that you or or your your colleagues on on the base will do to celebrate the, the Independence Day?
1: Well, yeah, I know that there are a lot of events uh, planned for the 4th of July here on Joint Base a uh, There are, of course, going to be unit grill-outs. There are going to be festivities around. Regrettably, though, my uh, hours of work will probably uh, not And, you know, I will not be able to attend some of those events. However, for uh, a lot of the residents here, they will be able to, you know, I guess, celebrate uh, one of our nation's uh, greatest holidays together here, you know, halfway around the world. And uh, as sad as it kind of is, this is the sixth, fourth of July that uh, my wife and I have been together. However, we have only spent one. 4th of July in, uh, the same location <laughs> because, uh, actually for three of those, uh, you know, holidays I have actually spent, uh, overseas. But, uh, you know, in all honesty, I guess those three that I have spent overseas have been the, uh, the most memorable. And, uh, since 2005, I celebrated the 4th of July on the outskirts of, uh, Kabul, Afghanistan. But, uh, I guess how many people can say that they celebrated the 4th by uh, riding a camel around? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, this this year in 2008, I'll be uh, celebrating here with my brothers and sisters-in-arms in, in Iraq. But uh, I guess really the most memorable for me, uh, last year, 2007, I was uh, interning with Eli Lilly & Company in uh, Geneva, Switzerland, And uh, while I was there, I was uh, personally invited to the uh, residence of Ambassador uh, Warren Titchener. He's the the permanent representative of the U.S. to the uh, United Nations in Europe and uh, other international organizations there in Geneva. And uh, it was actually a very powerful event for me because I have uh, always considered myself a a very patriotic man, even long before I donned the uniform. And to be there in a, uh, a foreign land in 2007, you know, many years after uh, the Declaration of Independence was signed, and to see how that document created a nation that is, you know, shaping and influencing the world to this day, is, it, was, it was a very powerful experience for me, in all, in all honesty. So, uh, yeah, the 4th of July, it, I, I mean, it means a lot to me. I know it means a lot to my fellow service members, and uh, we will definitely be celebrating in uh, whatever manner possible tomorrow, but it should be a good time.
0: Kelly, where have you spent the last six fourth, fourth, fourth <laughs> fourths
4: of July? <laughs> oh goodness! Either down in Evansville in Chicago, or I was in London for one of them.
0: Oh okay.
2: Not Geneva. No. Nope. Not Kabul.
4: Unfortunately, not.
2: not. <laughs> what is the? I'm curious. What the day means to you, knowing that your husband is is serving his country in Iraq. Uh, does that add you know added meaning if if such a thing is possible on the fourth of July?
4: Oh, absolutely. I think it's brought. Um, a really great awareness to not just my husband, but to everyone that's serving, and uh, makes me really proud of everyone serving in the military right now.
2: Do you have relationships with other uh, wives or family of soldiers who you might get together with to to celebrate the day and to, you know, uh, communally, you know, sort of think about the, your family who are are gone for the day?
4: Um, sure. Usually I spend it with my family, not necessarily, but there are quite a few friends that I have that have loved ones overseas. We talk pretty frequently, so that helps a lot.
2: What are the stories you're hearing from them about about their friends and family uh, over there are they are they uh, having a hard time of it? Are they counting down the days till they get back?
4: <laughs> I think all of us are definitely counting down the days. I think any military family would say that. I think all of their experiences have been really similar to ours um, they've you know just been counting down the days and waiting. How
0: mm-hmm. long is your deployment, jake
1: well. Uh, You know, the um, Secretary of Defense, Robert Gates, early in uh, 2007, signed a policy that uh, we, the reserve element, could only be deployed for, I guess it's a 12 plus one, uh, so 13 months. And as many know, we were mobilized in early December. And uh, my brigade commander, uh, Colonel Carr, mentioned that our wonderful farewell ceremony at the RCA dome that we will be spending the holidays again with our loved ones this, you know, this, uh, this year. So, you know, we look forward to that time. And, uh, as my wife said, we are definitely counting down the days.
2: So you don't have a, you, do you have a a plane ticket yet for lack of a better term that, that, that describes the precise date at which you will be on your way back to America?
1: No, uh, no, we do not. Not yet.
0: How, how, Jake, how do you think things have changed? I mean, you've been there now for about six months. I mean, do you see any any marked change from the day that you got there to now in terms of security, in terms of, of progress and what the mission is?
1: Actually, we, we have, and uh, it started with the surge, and there has been a nationwide decrease in threat activity since the surge was implemented and especially this calendar year, uh, threat activity has drastically decreased. And again, I mean, that can only be uh, attributable to the concerted efforts of every single entity that is involved here, whether it be coalition, local nationals. But um, we definitely have uh, seen a decrease in activity and uh, I guess an overall sense of you know, improvement. and uh, I and I personally can only speak to my operational environment, which is uh, immediately surrounding Joint Base Balad. Because uh, I'm a tactical intelligence officer, you know, and any a tactical element, so I cannot speak really uh, above my echelon. But again, things around in and around where we are have uh, improved since. Uh, we have arrived.
2: Does that overall sense of improvement extend to troop morale? I'm wondering. Do are people um, confident that their that success is at hand and that improvement is being made on a daily basis and that there is an end in sight?
1: Most definitely. I mean, anytime you can see the fruits of your labor, uh, I think that's going to boost morale. And for our soldiers, who go out every single day and have interaction with the uh, local populace and when the overall mood of the local and populace you know has been improving that in turn uh, is shown by the uh, i guess uh, overall boost in morale in the, uh, the the soldiers here the soldiers and airmen here
2: Kelly, you're sort of in an interesting position. You live in a community where the war is very unpopular, uh, and yet you are intricately connected to it yourself. Um, how does that? How does that play out in, in your daily life? I mean, you're obviously supporting your husband and his fellow soldiers, and you have people around you who say, "Why are these people even over there?" How do you? How do you respond? How does it make you feel?
4: You know, for the most part, everyone's been really incredibly supportive of Jake's. GX- position over there. While they may not agree with the war, they're still supportive of our soldiers and supportive of those that support those soldiers. Too. So I haven't received a lot of negative feedback from that. Mm-hmm.
2: Do you think that's made, uh, you know, that that's sort of in contrast with, you know, what you might see in, in, in a lot of the media. Has that made it easier on you during these deployments?
4: Absolutely. And I try not to focus too much on the media because of that negative spin.
0: Yeah, and being a member of the media, I'm obviously interested in in this, Jake. Um, you know, from your perspective, mm-hmm. from your perspective over there, what what do you? Th- I mean, I know Stan asked a question about you know misconceptions about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, right. how, how about sort of overall national international media coverage? Do you think it's been fair, or do you think that that it's focused on the wrong things?
1: Well, I definitely think I think it's been fair, and. Um, if you could tell recently in national media outlets, the war here in Iraq has received, I guess, less coverage, and that's always a good thing because that means there are, you know, no spectacular events going on. I mean, soldiers are and airmen and marines and sailors are doing their jobs every day here, and um, as a result, you know, that doesn't, I guess, uh, make for the best news story because it's. You know for I guess for lack of a better word, it's not sexy, but uh, you know they are doing their job, and uh, I'm very proud of them and I guess on a local level too though uh, I have received nothing but the most phenomenal support from the Bloomington and IU communities. I am currently uh, in the School of Public and Environmental Affairs, and I'm working on my master's public uh, public affairs. And uh, my fellow MPA students, faculty, staff, you know, they've raised over uh, $200, and they've purchased 15 300-minute phone cards. And I'd just like to give a special thanks to uh, Professor Leslie Lenkowski for uh, spearheading that effort. And also, you know, uh, to Deans Oster and Zorn and Maggie Pearson for their support, you know, in this very much appreciated gesture. And um, I found out from one of my fellow classmates who just graduated this past May, and and at the uh, ceremony, which I would have attended, you know, if not for the deployment, but I was very grateful to hear that Dean Zorm, uh, interim Dean Zorn, he uh, noted my absence in his address to uh, my MPA class. And, you know, those two small gestures right there uh, speak volumes uh, to me and to my fellow soldiers, and... I, I very much appreciate their support, and even uh, IU has a great asset in uh, Margaret Bechtolz. She is the uh, Director of Veterans uh, Support Services. She liaises between the university and the, uh, you know, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs there, and she assists uh, over 300 students every semester. She's, she, she's phenomenal. And um, she has been a great support in, you know, uh, facilitating my uh, – my, where I had to dis, uh, you know uh, disenroll and uh, all the paperwork that's uh, necessary there. And I know that my roughly 30-plus fellow IU students who had to withdraw from uh, school have went through her office, and she has been uh, nothing but very supportive.
2: I'm curious about the the media there in Iraq. Uh, you know, we we talk a lot here, obviously, about what American media and what people like the BBC are doing. But what about what about media closer to home there for you? What do mm-hmm. what do reports on Iraqi television or in Iraqi newspapers say these days about the American occupation, if you will?
1: Well, I I would definitely, I guess, not use you know, occupation, but um, as far as our support in establishing, you know, a democratic nation and establishing security, uh, they they are supportive. We, uh, the, a lot of the local sheikhs who control media outlets are uh, very influential in um, supporting the coalition forces here they they speak uh, well of us we work with them on a daily basis and uh, as a result uh you know the overall wor- word uh, about our efforts here is is a positive one
2: kelly um i am curious to to get back to to you for a second uh what uh what are some of the things that that you do uh, around here to to support the either support the war effort or or you know, uh, you know make your presence felt to to other members of, of either Jake's troop or or others that uh, that I'm curious just in general what ways you feel you can help them. I mean we talk a lot about them helping the country, but what do the people back home maybe not get enough credit for? Uh,
4: to help the soldiers right. themselves. Well, we just try to. To boost morale in any way possible, you know, whether that be sending them a piece of home, making sure they're included in everything that's going on here so they don't feel like they're completely on the other side of the world, Uh, sending photos, just doing whatever we can to make sure that their morale is up.
0: I, th- I think as a follow-up to that, I mean, Jake, is there have you um, known of any gestures made by communities to their soldiers? Like, uh, have, have there been groups from Bloomington that have done anything that that you remember, either in this deployment or, or your previous deployment in Af- Afghanistan?
1: Well, in particular, uh, in particular, rather the Bloomington community, um, I'm I'm not sure, in all honesty, but. Uh, I know many uh, local communities, small communities, uh, i.e., Evansville, they have sent um, stuffed bears to soldiers to when they go out on local patrols that they give to, you know, local Iraqi children. The uh, phone cards, as I had mentioned, the care packages and uh, that have been sent, yes, and those are all very, very much appreciated because, uh, as Kelly had mentioned, it's just great to receive anything from home, to to be uh, honest with you. And um, it, I would be remiss if I did not mention uh, the 76 website, and it does speak to what, um, what local media outlets um, are covering. It also speaks to what fellow Hoosiers and how fellow Hoosiers are supporting our efforts here. And, uh, all that information can be found at 76ibct.org. And, um, our public affairs office, they have done a phenomenal job, you know, updating this website, which keeps my wife and, uh, the loved ones of my fellow service members updated to our efforts here and a, uh, in a capacity to where, if you know, if my fellow service members are not as lucky as I, and to call or write every day that they can check out this website to see the great things that we're doing over here. And again, that uh, website is seventy six All dot
0: org. All right, Jake. I think we are uh, out of time. I, I'm going to mm-hmm. let. I, I believe that our. Uh, our producer, Katherine Hagerman, will we'll let uh, you and Kelly maybe say goodbye on the phone before uh, – you know, after we're off the air. But I want to thank you for being with us today. Our guest today, Captain Jake Weiss, an intelligence officer from Bloomington, who's serving uh, with the National Guard in Balad, Iraq. Uh, it's been a special edition of Noon Edition. I want to thank Stan Jastrzewski for being here today. katherine uh, Hagerman, who – this is her last program as a producer of Noon Edition. And engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening.
3: Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org.